No one will deny this is the age of digitalization across the manufacturing industry. You see it everywhere. Connectivity continues to grow and organizations are working to enjoy the benefits new age digital tools continue to bring to the table. What is interesting, though, is while manufacturing enterprises adapt and digitize their processes, safety seems to be missing in action, stuck in an analog world. As companies continue to move forward in Industry 4.0, safety needs to step into this batter's box. To that end, what does digital safety look like? There's no doubt the, the goal for safety professionals has and always will remain the same. But how they get there will most likely change. Hello, my name is Greg Hale, and welcome to another Today with ISS Source podcast. With us today to talk about safety and digitalization are Steve Elliott, Senior Offer Director, Safety and Critical Control at Schneider Electric. Steve, welcome. Thanks, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have you. And we're going to start off with the first question, and, and it's Digitalization and manufacturing is a given, but where have you seen safety fall in this new era of increased connectivity? Thanks, Greg. Well, I don't think we have to convince anybody on the value of digitalization. I do think that we have to convince them on the value of connectivity, certainly when it comes to safety. So firstly, let me start by saying that not everything needs to be connected. Only connect what you need to, where value can be found or unlocked. Now, I'm not advocating you should ever connect your safety systems to the internet. But what we do need is we need the information or the data that those systems can provide. And I will add, of course, you cannot ignore the cybersecurity considerations when connecting anything. There was a customer that told me, and I've not forgotten this, which was basically the benefits of connectivity need to outweigh the cyber risks associated with connectivity. In other words, I need to make sure that the value that I get is greater than the investment that I need to put in making those connections secure. But I will say, when you look at the advancements in security, you look at cloud technology, with secure clouds now, you can, you can certainly leverage the data, the information that these safety systems provide, because they are eyes and ears on the process. They have information of use. They can help you drive those safety improvements. Let me give you a simple example. So a simple example would be something like being able to diagnose the safety systems for potential issues um, remotely, remote diagnostics and fault finding. We can now get metadata from the safety systems securely through the cloud to an app running on a mobile device. So think about that. You can now fault find remotely before you have to decide, well, is any action needed? What action is needed? When do I need to take that? Can I defer that? Do I have to mobilize a team today or can I do it on the next turnaround or the next shift or whatever else? So now experts can be anywhere. Information can be everywhere. Everybody can look at the same information so you have a consistent view. And then they can run first-line diagnostics all without having to move. So safety is moving into this new area of digitalization. 
Connectivity is a key to that as long as we do it in a safe and secure way. Well, you may have answered some of this question already, but I'm going to ask it anyway. With the end result being the same and and keeping the facility, the people, and the area safe, what does digital safety look like? I know you had mentioned the being able to connect remotely, but I mean, is what are some of the aspects that digital safety looks like? Certainly. So you often hear industry for digitalization, and I think one word encaptured that, and it's the word that you've spoken many times already, digitalization. Not easy to say either. Oh, no, um, this was <laughs> <laughs> Digitization or digitalization, I'm not quite sure of the difference, but this was very much about really answering the question, what could I do now that I couldn't do before? How do I use Embrace These New Technologies really to be more efficient? This was, this was really a technology-driven step change. And it was built around areas like connectivity, digital twins, simulation, big data analytics, machine learning, artificial intelligence, really how do we use machines instead of humans? It was broad and wide. But from a safety perspective, all of those are applicable. They're all means and ways of of finding new or present tremendous opportunity to make Improvements. And I will say some small improvements, marginal gains should not be ignored. Greg, I started my my working career actually working on Formula One engines, a great example of where every small, tiny detail is important. Every small incremental gain helps you achieve those big gains you're looking for. So don't ignore the small stuff because it has potential improvements. So digitalization for safety. Let me give you some examples. Worker health, um, the use of smart wearables, smart technology, sensors, keeping people away from harm, helping people if they are exposed to harm. Smart wearables. Robots, the ability for robots to do remote inspections. That potentially means you don't put the people out in the hazardous areas or expose them to potential threats. Robotic skeletons, you know, they can help improve lifting heavy objects. They can help with repetitive tasks. So there are areas of helping the human. And then you get into sort of some of the the digital tools techniques, artificial intelligence, identifying anomalies in data. I mean, there are algorithms that can be trained Once you have a baseline of common patterns, so establish a baseline for what the safety performance should look like. What is the process look like when it's safely operating? But if you start to see deviations, if you start to move towards potentially unsafe conditions, you can get early detection, early warning. You can get insights into deviations away from safe operating conditions. So you can start to say, hey, Pay attention, be alert. There's a potential threat emerging. Mm-hmm. I will say that AI and analytics are great for finding, you know, buried treasure. What I mean by that is learning from the past, incident investigations, job hazard analysis, safety audits, incident summaries. We can run analytics on those and find gems, repeat patterns, etc. So we can start to learn from those to make sure we don't repeat the sins of the past. This whole topic of digitalization, video, video video-based 
analytics. Think about the fact that you can constantly monitor the humans. You can identify unsafe acts. You can see potentially unsafe conditions. You can start to build human interlocks in, if you like, between what the machines are seeing, where the people are, and what they were doing. Could be something really as simple as a non-compliance with mandatory PPE. I once had um, an example of a customer. They were working in a very hot environment. The guy on site, the person on site, took his hard hat off, hung it up on the valve above his head, which was exactly what the hat was for to stop him hitting his head on. Well, now if you've got video camera you and your mobile technology, you can alert him, he can get a buzz. That's a potentially unsafe condition. Mm-hmm. That brings in things like image processing, using specialist cameras, drones, satellite. You can potentially now identify leaks from invisible sources and you can help prevent those leaks from happening in the first place. So you can start to build a much greater safety envelope, if you like, around the human and the jobs that are being done. Obviously, what we want to do is prevent incidents in the first place. We want to stop any harm to people, to the equipment, to the environment. To get to that point, you need information. And that comes from data. And that brings in this whole big data, data lakes, you know, data is the new gold, it's the new oil. There are massive amounts of data already being produced from manufacturing facilities. And we're using those often to shed light on these complex engineering problems. So I would say, why do we not use these to help reduce the operational risk and improve safety performance? Many organizations have already got a wide array of data sets at their disposal. Now, it may be that it's in different systems or different locations in different formats, and very often it's historical in nature, so it's only going to give you lagging indicators. But just having data doesn't necessarily mean you can make improvements. It's really difficult to interpret. The volume of data also raises potential liabilities and safety concerns if things are hidden or remain hidden and go unresolved. So not everybody wants to see everything. But what I would say is, think about this. Our challenge from a safe perspective, typically, traditionally, historically, has been safety incidents are caused by small, seemingly insignificant isolated events that ultimately all combine to to one major event. That risk, those conditions are dynamic. So you need to be able to see the relationships, the interdependencies from different data sources. And so using these modern tools, AI, analytics, machine learning, the ability to interpret that has never been greater. So the potential for this safety improvement is fantastic. And now imagine the world where you bring all of that together and you have one unified view in near real time. You can actively safety monitor. So operating companies, operations, maintenance, the executives, the management teams, everybody involved with those assets including not just the process, but the electrical systems, can now see 
the operational risk in real time. So you can draw much greater, richer insights. You can anticipate risks. You can run what-if scenarios. You can make more informed decision-making. If you understand the current risk posture, you can manage the current situation. You can understand what is happening and, more importantly, why it's happening. And then you can make in timely informed decisions with the potential to avoid potential issues. So the the realms of possibility have never been greater. The technology has unlocked that ability to create much better, greater safety insight into what is happening and then make better, more informed decisions. Well, the beauty is also, as you have said there, you know, you can find the little things before they actually start to develop into bigger and bigger and bigger things. So being able to eliminate those little issues or the smaller issues beforehand, obviously would help uh, alleviate any of the bigger safety issues moving forward. But you had mentioned all of this in an environment where if safety and digital are coming together, but I dare say right now, and, and if I'm wrong, tell me so, but is there uh, that safety is still not necessarily there yet? So is there a fear that if safety is lagging behind the rest of the facility when it comes to this environment, to a more digital environment, you know, what would that mean to the overall safety program if it does lag behind? So firstly, I think it's worth saying that we're not saying that these assets are unsafe, otherwise they wouldn't have their, their license to operate. So mm-hmm. they've got safety protections and measures in place. But but yes, I have to say I very much agree that safety does lag behind from an operational perspective and an investment perspective. And I will say probably it's because many of the safety systems that are in place are so reliable or so dependable, they're almost a victim of their own success. You know, they're sitting there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're doing their job, silently running in the background. And so because of this, when it comes to those digital programs, the investments, the initiative, those safety systems often get overlooked. But what I would say is they do have a wealth of information that can be used to drive safety improvements. Now, they are electronic, okay? So because of the age of the assets, some investment may be required, like all electronic devices, they age. So at some point, some investment may be required. Now is a good time to think about those and bring those into those programs because if you do have digital transformations programs or initiatives, you've identified areas, you've got resources, you've got budget, bring the safety team into those programs because there are opportunities to protecting this, protect those existing investments, prolong the life and unlock some new value. So don't ignore safety, bring them in. Now, I'm going to pivot slightly on what you said about safety lagging behind. I will say, obviously, every organization has EHS, environmental health and sustainability goals. Sustainability is clearly a key priority for every organization. They have some form of sustainability goals or targets. 
you probably don't necessarily think of the safety systems together with sustainability. They don't naturally come to mind, but obviously there are areas where you can find improvement, reducing emissions, reducing energy consumption, avoiding environmental impact, you know, such as flaring events. Safety systems have a part to play in some of those sustainability programs and meeting those goals. Let me just give you, take a moment and give you a couple of, couple of examples. So obviously we have um, some software applications. One is Triconic Safety View, used for alarms and bypasses. So instead of traditional hardwired input-output signals, you can go digital. That reduces the weight, the power consumption, the HVAC, lowers transport costs. It requires smaller equipment rooms, reduces freight, transport impact. There's less material, cables, construction costs. All of these add up to sustainability improvements. Another example could be digital testing, digital validation for testing, startup assistance, periodic revalidation. You know, we use something called Triconic Safety Validator that uses automated testing and therefore reduces the need for hardwired panels, lowers energy consumption, shortens the test duration. That means less people, less travel, less living costs. So safety and sustainability kind of go together now. And there are options available now for consideration. So that's why I say Make sure you bring safety along for the ride. Now get those into those programs so that as you work through them, you can achieve not just sustainability, but um, safety improvements as well. Now, safety professionals are some of the most passionate people around. And uh, I don't think anybody can deny that. But what has been their reaction to this movement toward a more uh, digital environment? You know, and what do they understand? Are they getting what this all means? Yeah, so you're you're absolutely right. So so when it comes to keeping people safe, protecting not just the people at site, but obviously their loved ones, their families, the communities around them, I have to say we are lucky and I am blessed to work with such a very passionate and caring group of individuals. I will say from my experience the safety professionals seem to be a different breed. And I I sincerely mean that in a good way. You know, the good news is that they don't see digitalization as a threat. You know, often when you're looking at making efficiency gains, that might come at a cost of reducing the human capital, the number of people. From a safety perspective, they don't see that. They actually see the potential upside. And I have to say, maybe that's because that's when they're training kicks in. And what I mean by that is that being safety people through and through, they're trained, we're trained and conditioned to ask questions, to challenge, to prove things. So some of this being afraid of implementing new technologies or being risk averse actually is a good thing. It's not the case with the safety guys. They follow their training. They're taught to understand the risks the causes and consequences. So when you're thinking of embracing new technology, the safety guys see both the upside as well as the downside. And this is going to sound odd, but it's they're less likely to be taken along on the emotional roller coaster. 
You know, mm-hmm. somebody comes up with a great idea, everybody jumps on board and let's do it. And it reminded me of, of something that I heard once heard about Jurassic Park, and that was, you know, about cloning the dinosaurs from DNA. The scientists got so caught up in the can we and the emotional roller coaster. Wow, this is fantastic. They forgot to ask, should we? Yeah. So having someone with a safety background who can see both the upside, the downside, it's in their their DNA, they can help digital transformation programs along, not just safety programs, I will add. They have more value to add than that. So I think they're a blessing in disguise. Mm -hmm. Now, digitalization or some form of it has been going on for years. And I'm sure you can see it with the major players, you know, the big guys out there. But are you seeing it occurring with the small to medium-sized businesses? I mean, because after all, these, in many cases, these organizations help feed into the bigger manufacturers. Exactly. So bigger companies are lucky. They have more resources. They have bigger teams. They have deeper pockets, which all sounds great, but that doesn't come without its own set of challenges. You know, there are many more moving parts, stakeholders to align. Bigger companies often have central engineering groups or organizations who need to validate and approve new technologies and new solutions before they can be implemented down at the operating assets. And this is where another little dilemma comes because the operating assets tend to be the P&L holders, and they're the ones who have to provide the resources to implement these solutions. So as it moves down through the organization, they then have to decide at a local level how to balance investments, resources, priority, and make the tough decisions as to what not to do or defer. So defer. So this can make changing something harder and take longer. As you come to those smaller, more medium-sized companies, obviously they long for the resources of the bigger players, but they are lucky. They can be more agile. They have less moving parts. So from my experience, our experience, they're often able to implement these digital solutions quicker. Now, obviously, they need to be sure that they're placing the right bets for the greatest return. But whether it's a small company, a big company, or a mid-sized company, I will say time is always the enemy. From my experience, a critical success factor to any digital program or initiative is being able to show or demonstrate some form of results and quickly. And by quickly, I mean three to six months. I mean, you certainly want to be able to show results within the same financial year Otherwise, you go through the investment cycle, a new year starts, new initiatives are rolled out, and you quickly get lost. So fast results mean start small. Don't try and tackle everything at once. Look for marginal gains, small areas where you can show some form of short to medium term result. And I just want to add that This is all about change. This is all about change management, change adoption. Don't underestimate the nuances required to make changes, no matter what size of the organization. Mm -hmm. If you're implementing any new technology, you really need to focus on who it helps, how it helps them, 
and then involve them and onboard them into this digital transformation and understand their perspective. And it's those real-world perspectives or limitations that are so critical that can make or break a project. Great. Simple example. Changing from a paper-based data capture or a round or an inspection or a routine and going digital. It could be as simple as replacing a piece of paper with an electronic tablet. Technically, you can do that. But as one person said, you can't fold a tablet and put it in your pocket if you need to climb a ladder. And you can't put it on a lanyard because it's a choking hazard. So yes, it's technically possible, but don't forget the real world implications of the user and how the technology is used as well. So bigger companies have one problem to solve, smaller companies have a different, but really the constants of time, change adoption, and the real world implications and understanding those. Now, I heard years ago that, uh, you know, the quote unquote old time ways where engineers can walk into a building and just by listening to the sound, they knew that everything was right. Or conversely, if they would hear just one little ping or one something that didn't sound, that didn't sound right, and they would they would immediately go and check and see what the issue is. Now, fast forward, with the greater use of technology, and especially during and after the pandemic, you know, this technology, the use of it has really taken off. And, and with this workforce starting to age out and retire, does this mean there's no real option but to rely more on digital technology and therefore look at it that this is an inevitable process that we're going to be moving toward if not, we aren't already there? Yes, not if, but when. We often, from a safety perspective, we often needed a compelling event to to find or drive the need to change. I'm not saying this is the event that we would have chosen, but let's not get into that. Let's face it, for decades, we would see headline disasters that would have a catastrophic event, and the industry would say, this must never happen again. And we thought that that disaster was the compelling event that would make change happen. And yet, guess what? Often the same mistakes and the sins of the past repeated themselves. And I must say, uh, and you said, is, is there an option or is this not an option to change? I would say that the there is always an option to stay as, as we are or as we were. And I am probably the words that I hear most often, and I will say are probably the biggest enemy to improving safety, are the words, we've always done it that way. Yeah. I'm pleased to say that I am really starting to see that approach change. As people change, as a new generation of workforce comes into play, there's an expectation that everything is digital. It's at your fingertips. It's where required, when required. You know, you think about it, where people do the work and perform their jobs is now very different from pre-pandemic. And digital solves this problem. You know, there is an expectation now that it is digital. It may not be now. Not an if, but it may be a when. Mm-hmm. Greg, uh, uh, this is a an odd example, but my daughter gets married this year, and I've been asking her when she's sending out the invites, and she just gives me this stare and this look of disapproval. Now I begin to understand why when I got married 
30 odd years ago, you sent an invite in the post. Just yesterday, my daughter showed me she has a web page with the invite, the RSVP, the dates, the times, the schedule, the location, information, so much more. She can send an email, she can track responses, sends automatic, automated replies, updates are sent. To her, she's a new generation. It's fantastic. That's how it's done. No pen, paper, running spreadsheets, anything else. The app does it all for her. That's just a, an example to me of how a new generation expect things to be digital. So it's a when, not an if. That is a perfect lead into my next question is, you know, when I started covering the manufacturing industry over 20 years ago, there was a distrust at that time of automation to the point where it took time for plant personnel to feel comfortable enough to use it and to trust it. Now, let's move to now. I mean, is the same thing true with the increased levels of connectivity through digitalization where there are more and more people trusting it? Or are there still people out there, and I realize this is a generalization, but are there more and more people out there not trusting it? And Or do you see a quicker level of adoption? Right. So um, I think what you've just described, Greg, is exactly you know, what we would call the safety dilemma and the barrier to adoption. Yeah. Um, fast and safety aren't normally two words you hear together in the same sentence. <laughs> You know, kind of, again, because of the way we're trained, because of we're always taught to consider the, the risks, no one wants to be first. Everybody wants, you know, we have this phrase, you know, proven in use. Everybody wants two years proven in use. But think about it. Someone has to be first. Otherwise, you'll never get the desired outcome, the proven piece. And so you're never going to realise the benefit. So we have this safety dilemma of, there are potential gains. I'm not sure I want to see it. And I think that's why you see a lot of these digital initiatives don't include safety because companies want to prove them in other areas of the business before they consider or apply them to the safety programs and initiatives. Mm -hmm. And again, I think it's back to their not if but when as they become more comfortable, as they become more trusting, I think they are more willing to apply them to some of the safety programs and domains. Does that make, make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, again, as I, I had discussed before, knowing the end goal for safety professionals to keep the plant people in the area safe, you know, how will this movement change the safety professional's job? This is a really interesting area because obviously as technology evolves, we become more reliant and dependent on it. The skills and competencies of the people will have to change. Just a couple of very simple examples. The role of the automation engineer changes. They need to understand more than just one domain. And what I mean by that is they almost need to become a data scientist, a process engineer, and an automation engineer. Why do I say that? Well, because you need to understand the correlation, the interaction between all three domains. You need to understand what the physical process is doing and why, because that has a consequence on what the automation or the safety systems are doing, which manifests itself in what the data is telling you. Giving a 
big data to a data analyst is fine. They will tell you all the patterns. They've got some clever tools, but it's putting it in the context of what it means and why it's doing it. And that's where those engineers and those safety professionals will change. Another example, the role of the maintenance technician. So think about this. Instruments are becoming smarter. There's more intelligence. There's more data. They're moving from 4 to 20 to be protocol-based. So think about that. The role of the maintenance technician moves from a screwdriver and a multimeter and understanding voltages and currents. He almost becomes needs to become an IT engineer because now he's understanding Ethernet and switches and packets and addressing and protocols. And so the roles of these people will change. Well, I'm asking these questions and I'm seeing that <laughs> and looking back, it seems they're, they're somehow based on more of a negative instead of a positive. But there are positives for safety professionals and for organizations for going digital. Could you give like a you know like a, I don't know, a little list or a top five or a top three or something as it relates to safety? I could, and I will say this digitalization, this industry for this driving efficiency was was very much about can I replace human activities with automation activities? I will say that I believe there are positives. I think that the engineers actually become more valuable to the organization because as their roles change, as the technology helps them and unlocks value, they can become stewards of the business in their own rights. What I mean by that is they're not just considering the automation and the efficiency, but they're considering how those actions, decisions impact P&L performance how they can help contribute towards sustainability goals. So, yes, their skills may need to change, but what's more important are the outcomes that they then influence. And because they can influence those outcomes, they have more value to the organisation, to the industry. So their personal stock, their personal equity, their personal value actually increases and they are going to become more and more in demand. Think about how safety is now moving across different applications, you know, vehicle safety, driverless cars, autonomous vehicles. That has a safety consequence. So those safety professionals that we used to traditionally think of in high hazard industries, they are more and more in demand. So actually, I believe there are positives, not negatives for them. And if they embrace these new tools, if they embrace these new technologies, their value increases, not decreases. And there are there are fewer and fewer of them. So therefore, they are more and more in demand. All right. Well, Steve, I really appreciate you taking the time. That's uh, that's about all the time we have today. So I just want to say for Steve Elliott. This is Greg Hale saying thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Today with ISS Source. Thank you, Greg. Stay safe.